welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds good to you, make sure that you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify and subscribe. And you won't miss a single episode, whether it's on Monday morning, like usual, Monday at 7 a.m., whether I drop it on Sunday night, whether I drop it, heck, on Wednesday night, like this one is about to be, because of this coaching hire. The A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed is where to find it. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, and at A to Z Sports on Twitter, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for all of Zach's analysis on the coaching hire. Well, Tennessee hired a guy. Uh, wasn't Lane Kiffin. Wasn't Hugh Freeze. Wasn't James Franklin. It was actually Danny White's last hire, Josh Heupel. <laughs> uh, there's a lot to unpack here, Zach. And before we do that, I'll ask you, how you feeling on this fine Wednesday? Well, I was starting to feel pretty decent about the hire after going back and forth all day. And then I just saw that Eric Gray is going to Oklahoma. And that just kind of shot that out there. Some little bit of breaking news as we as we start the podcast here. It looks like Oklahoma is going to have half of Tennessee's roster, which is kind of ironic considering Tennessee now has Oklahoma's one of their favorite sons as, as their head coach. We did a little trade. We took uh, an old near Heisman winner of theirs as our head coach, and they took half our roster. You know, it's just a little trade-off. Uh, yeah, it is weird that they've they've ended up with almost everybody that's been a big name from Tennessee. I don't know exactly what that pipeline is there and why it's all fed into Oklahoma, but I'll say at least it's not Alabama. At least it's not Georgia. That's you true. don't have to play Oklahoma till next year, I believe. So. Um, and why we're playing Oklahoma next year, I don't know. <laughs> I wish they would just axe that game, but nonetheless. Um, is, is that right? Am I thinking of that right? Because we were supposed to play them, obviously, this past year. Yeah, I think no, I think they. Uh, I think it's a couple years down the road. It might be 2023 Okay, or so maybe it's, it's a little further. one of those weird gaps type deals. Yeah, maybe no, none of those guys will be there by the time that happens. But nonetheless, Josh Heupel. Coach from Central Florida is Tennessee's new football coach. We thought through, like I said, there's so much to unpack here. Where, where do you even start? Because this, this I, coaching this, search. Go ahead. It it kind of came out of nowhere, right? I mean, a typical Danny White hire, kind even of. though it was probably the most obvious hire because it's his guy, we didn't think he was going to go down this road at all. You don't hire a search firm to hire a guy you've already hired before, right? So I, that's the place to start, I think. White goes on this pretty secretive mission, and he keeps it under wraps for a lot of it. He said this was the first time in the press conference today, he said this was the first time he's ever had true leaks happen during a coaching search of his, which this is Tennessee. That's that's going to happen. Sorry. Danny, um, you know these things. This is Tennessee. This is not UCF. Um, but she did a pretty good job, was, all things considered. He, that's what I was going to say. 
he did keep it pretty nicely wrapped up because what it appears to, uh, as information has come out, it appears that he kicked the tires on Matt Campbell. He kicked the tires on PJ Fleck. Don't really know exactly how serious that was, but it was enough for both of those people to come out and kind of say, our guys are staying here. And then it appears that it was real serious with James Franklin at Penn state. And then real serious with Tony Elliott at Clemson. If the reports of everything surrounding those two guys can be believed, we'll leave that up to you um, to, to kind of decide we report you decide, but that's what, what the process looked like. I think there was a lot more in there and, White really referenced it today. He said, I wish that I could reveal how many people we talked to, but obviously I can't for the sake of those candidates, blah, blah, blah. (sighs) But obviously you whiffed on everybody. I mean, it came out that Tony Elliott said no. I don't know if that's true. We'll never really know. But Tony Elliott says it's true. Um, And Danny White got up there. He said, we didn't offer anybody the job except for Josh Heupel, even though Tony Elliott says that he... He could have had the job and he decided not to. Again, we report you decide. Uh, but it's, if you graded this entire process with Danny White, let's get into this minutia first before we break down Hypo. How are you liking Danny White so far? Uh, I felt pretty good about him at his introductory press conference. I still feel like he's a pretty good athletic director just based on his resume. And he didn't completely embarrass Tennessee during this search like John Curry did. But, you know, the the hire does feel a little underwhelming. Um, I think, I'll say this, within what White was probably allowed to do, he probably did the best that he could do. I think he came into this search knowing that he had Hypel as a fallback, knowing that he could go to him and that he would take the job, and he felt comfortable with that. I, if he doesn't have Heupel to fall back on, I don't think Danny White takes the athletic director job at Tennessee. I think he, t- he took some swings. Um, I don't think he was ever going to be allowed to talk to Lane Kiffin. I don't know if he would have or not. Anyway, I, he wasn't going to be allowed to talk to Hugh Freeze. I'm really surprised he was even allowed to talk to James Franklin. But the fact that they actually had some talks with James Franklin and you know maybe got pretty close to getting a, de- a, getting a deal done does give me some confidence in White moving forward that he does, you know, he wanted to make a splashy hire. He just wasn't given the resources to make it happen. So while I would give this hire overall, like a C plus B minus probably, I think it does. I, (laughs) It gives me confidence in White because all of the other hiring processes in the last 13 years, I would give, or however long it's been since they hired Kiffin, 12 years, um, I would give all of those an F, <laughs> except for Kiffin, I guess, except for the hiring of, of Kiffin, because I think ultimately that might have worked out decently had he not skipped the USC. But um, I mean, it's just been s- screwed up search after screwed up search. And now... This one, yeah, wrapped up pretty nicely. Had a couple of leaks. I think White was, honestly, the way that he talked about it during that press conference day, I think he's livid, and I think somebody might get fired because of the leak. I think he's going to track down whoever did that and fire them. That's Maybe how much I think he did not like that that happened. You no, could just kind of tell. Like, but yeah, he's his demeanor. That. 
his demeanor said it it was that uh if you've ever had a boss like that, like your boss when you screw up, but they go, that's okay. And they smile and they go, now that's fine. It's fine. You know, and they're through gritted teeth. Uh, that's what that felt like, where he was like, I've never had a leak like that. But also, I'm going to toss somebody out on the street after this because of this leak. Uh, and Welcome to the and, SEC. Yeah. <laughs> It just is what it is. But I will say this. If he does do that, hey, Danny White, clean this place out from top to bottom. We don't need any of these people. They're all disposable. Tennessee sucked for so long. Clear the place out. I don't care if they've worked there for 30 years and it's the janitor. Clear the place out. It, it Whoever it is, <laughs> as, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that place needs to be flipped over completely. And we will be better off. Bring in all your guys that you've had before. Bring in new guys. Just don't have the people that have already been there. That's an entire other podcast, though. You know, of- one really interesting thing about this search before we kind of move on to to talking about Heifel, I kind of thought about this after the hire was made. Given where Tennessee was willing to do, the the money they were willing to spend, and the candidates they were willing to talk to, if Danny White is not the athletic director, Josh Heupel doesn't take this job. He's not going to go to Tennessee and take this job. Who would Tennessee have hired? If Philip Fulmer is still the AD, who takes the job? I mean, if I mean, Philip Fulmer is still it? the AD, we're, we're burning down this program with a three-win coach, is what I think would be happening. <laughs> they wouldn't have yeah. fired Pruitt. Um, and thank God to whoever, whatever people or person pushed all of that through and finally made that happen because I think I mean, Fulmer was ready to stick by his guy. It's to the point where Minnesota, the head coach of Minnesota, is saying, no, I don't want the opportunity to go coach in the SEC in front of 102,000 fans. The Iowa State head coach. I mean, this you would have never dreamed of this 15 years ago. It's just it's very disheartening to see what it's it's come to. I mean, you've got an offensive coordinator at an ACC school. That's like no, and, and I don't know. I don't know what kind of offer was made to Tony Elliott, if any offer was. We have no idea. But the kind of money Tennessee was throwing around, he turned down several million dollars to be a head coach at Tennessee. Yeah, I think so. Probably, in my analysis, probably a smart move on yeah. Elliott's part. This place is career suicide. If you're not, if you're not ready, if you're not ready, maybe Heupel truly believes he's ready, and I hope so. But if maybe. you're not ready for this job, it's career suicide. It'll eat you alive and it'll spit you out. And I, my prediction, I, as much as there was so much love thrown at, at Tony Elliott, you're just not ready without head coaching experience. I don't know if Heupel is because he hasn't really been tested. He's kind of had a sweet little spot down there at UCF so far. We'll we'll get into it. But this place will annihilate you, if not for just the rabid fan base and the ridiculous administration, the SEC having to play Alabama every year. I mean, it just is ready made to to ruin the life of a coach. I will say, um, I do think I, I saw a little bit of this to not a lot, but I did see a little bit of this. I think there was a lot of people that were kind of a lot of fans that were humbled by this coaching search more so than any other coaching search. Because I think 2013 
Yeah, coming off Dooley. They sold Butch Jones. Okay. 2017, I think Tennessee fans kind of had this, well, there's a vendetta against us after the Shiano deal, and, and we're getting blacklisted by agents and stuff. This search, I think you've really seen. You, you've got a respected athletic director, and it was really hard to fill this job. And I think a lot of Tennessee fans came to terms with, this is where the program is. This isn't, you know, a better landing spot right now than Ole Miss. It can be, and I think it will be, and it should be, absolutely. But it, at this point, it's just not. With everything up against it, the way the last 10 years have went, it, it's not viewed as a better job than Ole Miss or, or Mississippi State or any of those jobs right now. I do think, I think you are right. You're absolutely right. Although, I think if Fulmer is not the AD and Tennessee loses to Kentucky and they fire Pruitt that week, they just go, uh-uh, we don't lose to Kentucky by 30 around here, you're out of here, which is what they damn well should have done. If they just do that and they give him that full buyout and just say, see you later, bye, I think James Franklin's your coach right now. Um, I can and, see that. Or, or, or whoever. Or it's, it, they, a better coach is willing to take this job. Because, first of all, I don't think you would have as much of an exodus because you wouldn't have. I, th- I think some of these players are leaving because of the investigation going on at Tennessee. Um, yeah, and definitely. Just, the the bitterness of everything that happened, some of these guys were just ready to go. Um, and I think you get more guys that stay. You have just a better-looking situation, but you had a... I People get so charged. Some people, although this sentiment is really, really changing. Some people get really charged when you down Fulmer. Fulmer screwed this up so badly and then is now taking reward money to walk away. I mean, it's basically... It, I mean, it's extortion money. He, he's he's extorting the University of Tennessee. Can, can we just be like honest about yeah. that? Did he ruin he ruined this joint? And now he's he's saying, "Pay me my money as I go out the door." Ugh! And screw off with that, man. I I love Phil. You know his his teams define my childhood as a sports fan. But man, you screwed this place over and then put your hand out for cash as you walked out the door. That's that's terrible. That's terrible. And I it's think, embarrassing for this university because everybody knows what happened. Oh yeah, out outside of here. <sighs> I, I think Fomer is just so stubborn and set in his ways, like a, a Les Miles and some of the other coaches from that generation, that he did not, he could not believe that college football was evolving the way it was. I think he still thought yeah. you could run this kind of old school program. Jeremy Pruitt fit that mold. You know that's why Alabama has been so good because Nick Saban. He doesn't like it. I mean, he was pretty vocal about the way that the hurry-up offenses wasn't a fan. He hired Lane Kiffin in 2014, and he rolled with the Toms, and he's still winning championships. And you have to do that in football. You have to evolve. And Fulmer, he felt like he's kind of stuck in the past to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think he he almost feels like he's some sort of like an anointed king of Tennessee mm-hmm. and that it's – yeah, I mean, the the game and college athletics in general passed him by, and Tennessee let him be the AD. It got out of his control. He didn't know what he was doing. Um, and then, like like I said, the, the most insulting – like, I, I, I could take him screwing this whole thing up. He didn't know what he was doing as an AD. 
But for him to get a congratulations session and a big thank you and money going out the door, I, uh, 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 I, I won't, I won't even say my full feelings there. I mean, it just, it's too much for this podcast. I'll be totally honest. I, it, it just drives me up a wall, but, and it's like, he is the reason that you didn't have a better coach in this. Well, him and the hire that he made and then Jeremy Pruitt just screwing the pooch with the NCAA investigations. So I'll, I'll put it on both of them. I'll put it on both. It wasn't only Phil, but Pruitt's Pruitt's unbelievably moronic, stupid, asinine actions as Tennessee's football coach and Fulmer hiring Pruitt and not seeing whatever was happening or ignoring what was happening with Pruitt. It's all of that combined. Here we are. You're, I mean, you're exactly right, Zach. This was a humbling experience for everybody. Cause I, I even, I thought when that news sort of started bubbling up that, okay, it's, it's Franklin. I went surely with 8 million bucks. You can get this guy here where Penn state is maybe not the happiest they've ever been. He started Owen five this past season. And you know, maybe if, if they're really going to take a drive at him, I think you can get James Franklin. I really do. And even then, and I, I don't know, maybe Tennessee gave White a hard cutoff and he couldn't offer enough money um, to Franklin or whatever it was going to take, which if that's I mean, true, that has to be the case because we, I, yeah, why do you even talk so. to Franklin if you're not trying to hire him? You know? Yeah, and, and if, if that is the case, what are you doing, Tennessee? Why would you not just pony up what it takes? This thing is in such shambles. You need, and I know Franklin's a controversial guy. I, I absolutely know. That's again, it's sort of one of the things. There's a whole other, other podcast to cover all of that, but but look at it this way: this guy's had three 11 win seasons in the last five years. Okay, he's he would be the best hire that Tennessee's had since Lane Kiffin. I mean, since Fulmer, really. Um, I mean, he's, he's has a much more uh, accomplished resume than Lane Kiffin does. And I, you know, if you're gonna go after that guy. Why would you not just pony up all the money just to do what it takes to get him here? And it it is. It's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. While, while at the same time, I, I can... I mean, I, I don't know if we've talked enough about the whole process with, with White yet. We can move into what I think about Heupel. It The hire is better than I initially thought. I'll, I'll put it that way. This hire is better than I initially thought when I saw last night the news dropped that, oh, it's probably going to be Josh Heupel, and I went, what? Josh Heupel? Like, that that was a guy that I think I said, yeah, he's out there, but there's no way that he's going to, White's going to go back. with a, Like you said earlier, with a search firm he hired, the Tennessee apparently paid like a hundred-some-odd thousand dollars to conduct this search. Surely he's not going to fall back. <laughs> On Josh Heupel, and yet here we are. It, like this, this is real. This is really more humbling than it would have been if they they went after and really got Tony Elliott. Uh, Tony Elliott is a is a lesser candidate than Josh Heupel. No head coaching experience, yada yada. That would have been less humbling because it's a guy fully disconnected from the situation that you went and got. I mean, it's it's rough, man. It's things are in bad shape at Tennessee right now.
Yeah, and you it's another hire that you kind of have to talk yourself into. Now, I think I think Heupel is like you said, he, he it's he's one of the better hires that Tennessee has made this decade. He he's certainly better than Butch Jones. He's better than uh Jeremy Pruitt and he's better than Derek Dooley. He's an offensive guy. He knows how to develop quarterbacks. Tennessee has not had a guy that can de- develop quarterbacks since Lane Kiffin. This guy can do that, like, and that's the most important position on the field. You can fall back on that, have a pretty decent team. You don't have a good quarterback, you're going to struggle. We saw it with Pruitt. That's the reason his teams were so bad. That's the most encouraging thing, I think, is that I think quarterback play is going to be a lot better at Tennessee. But, man, there's a lot of questions with Heupel. I mean, defensively, he's very disconnected, it seems, from the defense. The defense at UCF was awful, so that's going to be very important to watch. You know, his teams did didn't improve from year one to year three at UCF, and I know this year COVID it it really did affect a lot of teams in different ways. It's not really an excuse. We didn't let it be an excuse for Jeremy Pruitt, but he did have ten opt outs. Uh, I think that's right, ten opt outs that that really impacted the team. So maybe maybe that's a reason that the team wasn't as great this year. I know you just wonder. I personally wonder if he has enough energy for this job. He doesn't really seem like an energetic guy, and maybe I put a little more importance on that than some people. But I think I just think that's a really important part of being a head coach in the SEC. You don't really see boring, mundane SEC head coaches making a lot of noise. It, you, you see these animated guys that are high energy on game day. Those are usually the ones that have success. Not always. I mean, Will Muschamp didn't have success, but that is a concern that I have with him. Just his personality seems a little low-key for me. But, you know, it's not all bad. No, I'm with you on everything you said there. He's he's a really interesting candidate all the way around, and I say that in positive and negative ways when I say interesting. The things that you touched on, there <clears throat> his defense was beyond abysmal um i'm looking at it now let me see if i can find the exact stats here Last and there was year. a reason for that that while you're looking for that is is randy shannon was his defensive coordinator and it's kind yeah. of been out there that 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 was a marriage that was kind of forced on hypel randy shannon wasn't really his guy and those those hires never work out you cannot push a higher on a coach. And it's why Kevin still Kevin still might end up at Tennessee in 2021. I don't know right now. But he's not going to be pushed on Hypo. They're going to let him find his guy. Yeah, and I hope they do. And if it's Steele, great. If it's somebody else, great. Hire the right guy, not just the guy that's in the building. Um, <laughs> he had the 123rd ranked defense in America. Gave up 492 yards a game. Granted, that is ahead of two SEC teams. <laughs> Incredibly. Can can you name those two SEC teams? I'll ask you that, Zach. The two SEC teams, there there's only this last year 127 teams in in FBS according to college football stats that I'm looking at here. Who are the two SEC teams that have worse defenses than UCF? Mm. I would go with Ole Miss and yep. LSU. It was Ole Miss at number 126th. 
second from the bottom, and then LSU was one spot behind at 124. Wow. I didn't realize LSU's defense was that bad. I just remember them That's giving up a lot of points to like Mississippi State and uh, Arkansas, yeah. maybe Missouri, some of those teams. So Vandy was 121st. That's crazy. And where, let me see, where was Tennessee? Just in relation, Tennessee was 65th, gave up 407 yards a game. Um, <clears throat> That's just because I mean, they, they ran the ball so much and killed so much yeah. clock. Uh, yeah, UCF's defense was not good. No, but this guy's offense is like next level. Conversely oh, yeah. to that, he had the number two offense in America this past year, averaging almost 600 yards a game, which is just absurd. I mean, he um, had a he had a true sophomore quarterback this year that threw for 3,500 yards. And I think he was, I wrote about it. He was not a very, he was a three-star quarterback, like the number 700 overall recruit or something in the 2019 class, 3,500 yards. T- uh, Tennessee, Great. every every quarterback on Tennessee's roster is higher rated than that quarterback. He's going to have instantly more quarterback talent than he had at UCF. Yeah, and and that's that's part of the the whole encouraging thing. As much encouragement as you can take from this whole deal, uh, yeah, three thousand five hundred seventy-four pass yards and five thousand. Yeah, that's this is a shortened season. Five thousand six hundred eighty-one total yards, six point six one yards per play for five hundred sixty-eight yards per game for UCF, second only to Kent State, uh, and then in twenty nineteen. He had the 540 yards a game, second only to LSU, who won the national and that was title. With a, and then that was with the true freshman starting, I believe, in 2019. Yes. And then 2018, which was when McKenzie Milton got hurt at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, he went 12 and 0 that year, even with the injured quarterback, um, and averaged 522 yards a game, uh, and had the number five offense in America that year. I mean, I mean, this guy. And people will say, oh, it's the AAC, and it's blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I mean, that's next-level offense. That's crazy offense, no matter how you slice it. And then you can go back. Uh, You know, he came from Missouri, and let's see, the year before Missouri's offense, which was his 502 yards a game, the number eight offense in America at Missouri against SEC defenses. Yes, he had Drew Locke, but of course, I mean, was Drew Locke some kind of incredible prospect. I don't really remember his history. Um, I don't remember him a being recruit. a big name out there. Of course, I don't really keep up with a lot of Missouri commits and recruits. Let's see. He was a, uh, he was a, he was a four star apparently. Yeah. So, he, wasn't, so he, was, he was the number seven pro style quarterback in America came out of the state of Missouri. Um, But I mean, you're talking, you have, you have on the roster. So Drew Locke was the number seven pro style quarterback in America. You have on the roster right now, the number two pro style quarterback in America for the class that he was in, in Harrison Bailey. So, you know, maybe this guy can make it happen. Yeah. I, I mean, he didn't waste Drew Locke. Uh, he, he got out of him what he was supposed to get out of him. 
And Caden Salter's and, and number six dual threat quarterback in the country. So that's even more talent coming in. And specifically, Heupel has done this in in a more spread offense. And then in Missouri, it was more pro style. It was more pass heavy uh, with Drew Locke. Uh, and so he's, it appears he's pretty good at adapting. He's I pretty think good. I heard him say he, he doesn't look, I don't think he said this today. I read it in a, in a past interview with him. He doesn't look at what a player can't do. He looks at what they can do. You know, he tries to mold the offense to, to, to their strength and what they can do and doesn't try to force them into something that's awkward to them, which is, I mean, that's what any good offensive coach is going to do. Obviously we've seen, some offensive coaches recently at Tennessee that don't necessarily have that same philosophy. Yeah. Chris um, Winky. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not ideal. Um, so maybe he can flip that around, make it work. He, and he's done all of this with lesser players at Missouri and at UCF has put together these powerhouse offenses and then you get into some of his weaknesses, as we've already mentioned. Defense is a problem. And the big one, to me, recruiting is a problem. His classes at UCF have ranked as follows. 61st for 2021 is what he put together so far this past year. The year before, 75th overall. 60th in 2019 and 62nd in 2018 when he was brought in. It's not great, but it's UCF and it it actually matches. I went back and looked and I was like, well, was Scott Frost putting together better class than this? Frost was only there for two years, but in the previous three years to to Heupel, 55th overall. 65th overall and 71st overall. So the 71st class and the 65th class in America put together a 13 and 0 season at UCF. Yeah, that's what so, you got to look at is what, what you know, what kind of talent is he putting up these offensive numbers with? You know, that that's almost encouraging. And you know what? Butch Jones ended up having a couple of top 5 classes there at Tennessee, right? When he was at Cincinnati, his recruiting classes were in the 50s. So it's not, you know, it, it's going to get better just by default once you move to the SEC. This place, I know people have been like him and Han about that all day. And I him and Han about it. It's, it's all about the Jimmys and Joes in, in football. You, you look at Alabama. They outclass you. They just outclass you. They don't run some incredibly complicated offense that's you know, tons of misdirections and crazy stuff. Neither does Clemson. They don't do crazy, crazy stuff. They kill you with talent. They outclass you, plain and simple. And I actually, I, I like Hypel in that way because Tennessee is not going to outclass people. They weren't going to outclass people with Pruitt. They weren't, they never did outclass people with Butch, even with his top five classes. But if you can take what Butch brought in, maybe, and put that with a guy who can do more with less, as Heupel has so far, hey, maybe you can put together a nice offense and then pair him with a good defensive coordinator and go go from there and, and see what you can do. As I said earlier, the more that I've looked into his whole background, the more I've thought, okay, this isn't the initial disaster that I thought it was, even though it's far from impressive overall. Um. 
I think you can you can put together in your mind a hopeful picture, at least a picture that leads to maybe eight nine wins a year under this guy. Um, and we've said it on the show in the last few weeks during all of this. That's where Tennessee needs to get to right now, so badly. Get back to eight nine wins and stay at eight nine wins. Stay at eight nine wins minimum. Stay there. Don't drop below that and don't nosedive like Butch did. Stay in that spot, and then you're back on more solid footing. That's the key, and maybe Hypel can do that, I think. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of how I felt when Mississippi State hired Mike Leach, which, ironically, there is a Mike Leach-Josh Hypel connection. Mike Leach is actually the guy that recruited Hypel to Oklahoma whenever he was in junior college, and uh there's a story where Heupel and Leach spent the whole weekend just watching tape. And, and afterwards, Heupel said, that's the craziest man I've ever met in my life, but I'm going to go play for him at Oklahoma. And uh, Leach was the offensive coordinator there for one year. But to get back to my point, when I think of Mike Leach at Mississippi State, they're going to put up a lot of points. They're going to upset some teams that they shouldn't upset, but then they're going to lose some games that they really have no business losing. I kind of think that's what we're going to see with Josh Heupel at Tennessee. He's going to have more talent to work with than Leach. But I think, you know, hey, maybe they knock off Florida. Maybe they win a game. I don't I don't think they're going to beat Alabama with Heupel, but maybe they give him a run for their money. I don't know. Maybe, his, maybe he comes into the SEC and he has a Hugh Freeze-like impact. We know he has a great offensive mind, obviously. You can't argue with the numbers. So maybe, maybe that happens, but – Based on what we've seen with him at UCF, we can't assume that his defense we can't assume that he's gonna hire a good defensive coordinator and then just all of a sudden, you know, Tennessee's gonna have a top twenty five defense. Like we can't just mark that down as a given at all. We're gonna have to see it to believe it. So that's yeah. why I think, yeah, they might knock off some teams. They might win a SEC West game against Texas A and M, but then they might lose to Mississippi State or or God forbid Vanderbilt or some game that they really shouldn't lose. I think that's kind of what we're going to see with him. So here's the big thing that I want to see out of Danny White, if it's needed. Hopefully it's not needed. But if it's needed, I think the difference that he could bring. I think overall he has just shown himself so far to just be more confident, aggressive, arrogant, which can be good for somebody in his position than the guys that Tennessee has had in the past. Dave Hart, largely an idiot. Mike Hamilton, absolutely an idiot. A total moron that is really the reason that we're in this mess. Uh, even though he's, he's a great, I will say, he's a great person. He's done a ton, a ton of work for charity. He's like a very good person. Terrible AD, though. Um, and, but John what I want. smart, but. Yeah, John, John not Curry. Not as smart as he thinks he is. Exactly. Has a huge head. And and that's why, you know, I, I kind of said today, this whole stuff with White talking about, even if he was like sort of joking, the whole like, some of the fans are failing, being negative on social media. Just stop. Just stop that. That's dumb. That's a dumb, you don't need to do that. These fans have had the hell beaten out of them for 15 years. They've taken so much crap. You You should be happy that they're around you should feel blessed that there are fans in the stands and and make no mistake this hire isn't putting butts in the seats 
it's going to be a hire that causes a lot of trepidation from fans and a big time show me attitude where people go, okay, after you win some games, I'll think yeah. about buying go tickets put, again. Go put those 50 points on the board, then we'll buy some yeah. tickets. Exactly. You're not selling tickets before the season much with Hypel, okay? Um, so, so stop the whole, the fans need to, the fans don't need to do anything. You should be happy that the fans are here. You need to do your job right and the negativity will cool down, okay? Because, yeah, Tennessee fans have just been just whipped over the head for 15 years, and you can take that somewhere else. But largely, I think White has shown that he is more competent than guys you've had in the past, and here is what I hope from him with the Hypo era. Do not let this thing truly nosedive. That's what I ask. You know, White came in talking about how he's an aggressive guy. He's going to want to get Tennessee back to championships. Here is how you get Tennessee back to championships if Heupel does not work out. When Heupel has a season like Butch Jones in 2016, fire him. Fire him. Do not hesitate. Go. We don't lose to Vandy around here. You're done. And then. If they would have gotten a backbone and fired Butch Jones in 2016, you could have hired a good coach because a coach would have looked and been like, okay, you're on more stable ground. You just won nine games. You're coming off a nine win season. Tennessee just has higher standards. They just said, you know, Butch isn't good enough. He he didn't make it to the sugar bowl. They want to get to the sugar bowl. I can take you to the sugar bowl. The next coach is going to say, and that's how you get your whoever, whoever fill in that blank, Lane Kiffin, Hoover, whoever you fill in that blank. That's when you get the bigger name. And that's where I think white could help. If, if Heupel is only able to get you back to that eight, nine win spot, no win to ax this guy. Do not let him drive you into a three win season. Do not let him drive you into a four win season and ruin everything and get, you know, smashed by the NCAA and all this other stuff that's happened at Tennessee. Be competent enough to say this is over. This is over. We're firing you, and we're going to hire somebody that can get us over this hump. We want to go from nine wins to 11 wins. We don't want to be stuck at nine wins. That's what I think White could bring when I see his overall demeanor, that arrogance, that aggression. I think that can be good if it's channeled in that way. And I know a lot of people go, oh, well, you don't want to fire somebody in three years again. Yes, you do. You do. When the guy can't get you there. When the guy can't get you there, you do want to fire somebody in three years because then you can hire the guy that can't get you there. Yeah, I mean, it's what that's Florida's, what I think the, the difference White could make. It's how Florida has managed to stay relevant. You, you exactly. Know, Steve, Steve Spurrier goes to the NFL. You hire Ron Zook. He's not getting it done. Then you land Urban Meyer. You have a great run with Urban Meyer. He, you know, he retires, whatever, for the first time. And then you hire Will Muschamp. Good hire at first. It quickly goes downhill. You hire Jim McElwain. Nine wins a year, what, 10 wins a year? Won the SEC East a couple of times. Wasn't getting it done, though. Wasn't getting over the hump, and they cut the cord quick. I mean, he he didn't have a losing record. They could have stuck it with him, stuck out another year. And they'll do the same thing with Dan Mullen. If Dan Mullen doesn't get it done, they'll, they'll move on from him. They're not going to stay around and yeah. let him win eight or nine games a year. When you look at all, all I have ever wanted out of Tennessee is to do, to be the power program that they are. Look at the other power programs. Georgia, they fire Rick after, I believe, a 10-win season. Yeah. They fire Rick after a 10-win season. 
Florida. It was after a four-win season, but McIlwain also was coming off of two straight trips to the SEC title game, okay? Like, McIlwain had kind of been there, done that at that point, and it was just clear he wasn't going to get well, it done. Well, they fired him early in the season, too, kind of. Kind yeah, of that, that's also true. Yeah, they, they, they fired him before it got too ugly, and they said, nah, we're done, which is, like I said, if you had a competent AD in place at Tennessee that is not Phil Fulmer, you go, we don't lose to Kentucky by 30 around here, you're out. And that's that's the type of action I want to see that I think White could bring. He seems seems like that kind of guy that can bring that heat to Tennessee, that fire that truly drives a program to be great. Because look around at what the great programs do around you. Tennessee doesn't do that stuff. Tennessee does this, wait around, maybe we'll keep a three-win coach, maybe we'll... Blah, 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 blah. No. Fire Butch Jones after nine wins because Butch Jones sucks and everybody knows it but the AD in Tennessee, apparently. Do that, and and I think you'll be successful. Now, hopefully, all of that being said, all of that being said, hopefully you don't have to do any of that. Hopefully, Heupel is just the guy and he can take you to the SEC championship game and you know use this powerful offense uh, to, to go and do big things. But if he's not, let this be the springboard for the right guy. If Heupel's not the right guy, yeah, that's at worst, at worst it seems like it could be. I mean, maybe, like I said earlier, maybe he has that Hugh Freeze like impact where he just, you know, that's great offensive mind in the SEC. Could definitely be the case. At worst, you hope that that's all it is seven, eight wins a year and it gets you to the next guy because really. Honestly, that's probably what's going to happen. You're going through these sanctions. I mean, you're kind of in the same situation that Ole Miss was in a couple of years ago when they when they rolled the dice with Matt Luke and kind of stuck it out with him until until they went with Lane Kiffin. And and that would be smart if if that's the case. Really, maybe this is the best possible scenario Tennessee could have hoped for right now. You you go with Hypel for a couple yeah. of years, and then maybe in a couple of years, you know, lot the job's more attractive. You can pay some more money the candidate pool opens up quite a bit. Yeah. I, a lot of people I I've seen say, you know, it would have just been easier to just stick with Kevin Steele. And then in a year from now, you can go after your, your better candidate. I think in some sense, this is sort of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more expensive and you might keep hypo for longer. And he might, like you said, he might end up being that Hugh freeze kind of guy where his offense is just magic and he makes it work. I, you know, who knows? But he might just be the guy that puts your program in a better spot and he creates a springboard for the next guy. Maybe. And, and uh, you know, that, that stinks. And you might have to drop back down and, and be a coach at a lower level again. So be it. Again, this place just eats guys alive. I and mean, it, it's the nature of the machine. But um, that's, that's what I would ask of, of Danny White. You can say whatever you want about anybody on social media if you put a a winning coach up there. But if you don't put a winning coach up there or the most winning coach that you can, please, please, please take decisive, competent action and make this program better. Please, enough of this middling, sad garbage that we've had with these loser ADs. Please be that guy 
for Tennessee, where finally you get Tennessee to act like the power program that it is. That's what I would ask. And and again, I'll say it. Hopefully, Heupel's just <laughs> just the guy. <laughs> but if he uh, can put together a good staff, I mean, that's yeah, key. Yeah. And it seems it doesn't seem like he's really going to be bringing any of his defensive staff with him from UCF, uh, based on some reports and things. Which is great because, like we said, that defense was terrible. So you talked to Kevin Steele. I think I saw Austin Price say that they were going to be talking tonight. Maybe Kevin Steele stays. That would be great because he knows the SEC as well as anyone. Uh, he knows how to recruit in the SEC. He knows a lot of these players already from the recruiting trail. I think that would be a great situation. If, you, if Steele doesn't stay, you have to get – a big name. You have to spend some of that money that you saved on Heupel that you didn't give to James Franklin, and and you got to go beg Will Muschamp or the Mississippi State defensive coordinator Zach Arnett, who I think interviewed with LSU earlier this offseason. I mean, there's some options out there. Maybe the Kentucky defensive coordinator Brad White. He he's an option that some people are high on. Uh, he. He played at uh, Wake Forest in college. I think he started his career at Georgia, so he has some some SEC roots there. You know, you, you have to nail that higher. I think that's what's going to define Josh Heupel. We know about the offense, but if he does not get the defense right, he he's not going to survive for long in the SEC. That's the key in the coming weeks to me, and I think it's definitely what we'll be talking about on this podcast is where he goes with the staff. I think even on the offensive side. You yeah. can make real power moves. I, I think if you go, I mean, oh man, you'll, you will get this, this fan base a little jacked up. If you can go and snipe Jeff Levy from Ole Miss, you can say, well, we didn't get Lane Kiffin, but we'll get Lane Kiffin's guy. If you can go and do something like that and make a, you know, a, a bit, a sort of power move, I, I think you could get some people pretty hyped. For this coming season, if you can get per se some nice grad transfers or or just yes. guys out of the transfer portal coming that in, be I think key, you get people excited, especially with everyone that's left and Oklahoma, who almost certainly was tampering against NCAA rules to land three <laughs> Tennessee players. It's just, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not pointing fingers, but, but yeah, would be, that would be very important. If we're being totally uh, honest, if the reports around that situation are true. I'll be surprised if Eric Gray is able mm-hmm. to play for them in short order. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. That can get figured out later. But, um, but yes, he does need to make some uh, – hire. try to get Levy. If you don't get Levy, Kendall Browse, get him from yeah. Arkansas. Uh, that was another Kiffin guy at one time at FAU. And I, I almost forgot to mention this. We keep talking about Kiffin. This guy's 2-0 and against Lane Kiffin. He beat him twice <laughs> when Kiffin was at FAU, and I think blew him out like pretty bad one of those games. I'm not sure. And, you know, we've talked about well, – we haven't really talked about it, but on social media it's been discussed a lot, the 6-4 and four season that he just came off of at UCF. I wanted Lane Kiffin as bad as anyone. That would have been – I still wish it would have been Lane Kiffin. But it's kind of funny how we just tend to completely overlook the fact that Kiffin went five and seven at FAU in his second year. Like we just kind of yep. completely forgive it because it's Lane Kiffin. But then 
Heupel is getting crucified for six and four in the COVID year this year. Not trying to spin it too much. Like it is concerning. It's one of the first things you see is how the program on paper looks like it regressed, even though the offensive numbers were still great. And I think it has a lot to do with the defensive side of the ball, obviously. But it, you know, we were willing, we forgive Kiffin a lot easier, it seems, than some of these other coaches for his misgivings. So in 2018, 56 to 36, UCF overall Kiffy. And then in 2019, it was 48 to 14. UCF just pistol whipped FAU and that and FAU went on to win the CUSA granted they don't and I if you're thinking it FAU and UCF did not play in the same conference FAU's in the American Athletic FAU's in the CUSA um I know that gets a lot of that gets confused so many letters um, they, yeah they, they just played UCF during that season uh and that FAU team went on to go 11 and 3 and win the CUSA. And so 48 to 14 in Kiffin's best year at FAU. So there, you know, there's something and they I played I, mean, I heard this I was year listening. Too. Yeah, exactly. Uh he's coming up on the schedule. They'll Hypo will get his chance at Kiffin again this coming year. And uh I, I actually I was listening to Basilio earlier today and and by the way, if uh Today's episode of Basilio was great. He talked to Aaron Hayden, uh, former Tennessee running back. You should definitely go listen to that interview. It was excellent. But um, they called on that show, Basilio and his guys called Heupel an unexciting Lane Kiffin or a, you know something along those lines, like a boring Lane Kiffin. In a way, that's true when you, when you mm-hmm. look at it. Now, I know a lot of people are going to roll their eyes and go, oh, he's not like Lane Kiffin. Actually, by the numbers... He's a little bit better um, because nationally, <laughs> the, this past year, uh, number two offense in America, UCF. Number three, Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. Uh, defensively, Ole Miss, second to last defense in America, UCF 123rd. So he was slightly better in both categories than Kiffin this year. And so clearly they play a similar style of football. They come from oh, yeah. a similar background currently. I mean, They've had crossover I'm not saying you assistants. got Lane Kiffin, but yeah, I mean, it, it is very similar style of offense. Like you said, they, there's lots of crossover there. So yeah, the only thing that makes Kiffin any difference, the fact that he tweets more and he jumps around on the sidelines a little bit. And I like, <laughs> you know, I like this stuff. I, to me, that's part of the intrigue of college football. Yeah. I love the personalities of the head coach. I love listening to Steve Spurrier talk. I even like Dan Mullen's weirdness. Like, I, I can't stand him. He makes me cringe, but I like that he's there. I think he's like a good character in the SEC lineup of coaches. I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. So I'm disappointed that Heupel doesn't seem to have a big personality, but you know what? Just win. Just win games, and I don't care what you say up there at the podium. I mean, I, I would make the juxtaposition th- this exact way. Um, it's sort of a... Bruce Pearl to Rick Barnes kind of thing. Bruce Pearl, he made one Elite Eight, but uh, across the board, really didn't take Tennessee ever past the Sweet 16. Rick Barnes made the Sweet 16 twice now, and er, made made it once and then the second round. Am I? No, Sweet 16. What am I thinking? Whatever it is. 
I, I don't, I've had some whiskey, okay? <laughs> truth, truth be told, I'm sitting here drinking some Jack Daniels. Here we are, okay? Either way. Um, but Bruce, Bruce Pearl, unbelievably exciting. His personality is just effervescent. He would go around campus, you know, having basically like pep rallies in the student cafeteria and stuff. I was at Tennessee at the time. I was direct witness to it. He was so exciting. And Rick just goes out there and wins. He just goes and he wins basketball games. And it's kind of, I, I would I would put that comparison in the context of Tennessee where you had the exciting guy that would have been Kiffin to the guy that, you know, similar but just wins games in, in Barnes. And do with that what you will. I'm not saying that, you know, if Kiffin goes on to be really successful, that Heupel is also going to go on to be very successful. I think we've made ourselves very clear. We're skeptical of the whole situation. But... Um, you know, that it, it, I think the description of calling him a boring Lane Kiffin is kind of apt and not really that far off from the truth. Uh, and, and so, Hey, uh, you know, all things considered what you were saying earlier, Zach, to, to me with this whole situation and kind of, we're, you know, we're getting up there towards an hour now and can kind of conclude here. We'll, we'll go finally to our Twitter question to end this off. But, um, I think you look at this and you go, thank goodness we hired Danny White. Because if you didn't hire Danny White, who is your football coach right now? If you go with, I mean, if you even go with John Gilbert, the friend of the university hire, who's your football coach right now, man? Seriously. What I mean, are we talking reports, about? There were reports that I, I, I personally think that the Sonny Dyke stuff was, was his way of throwing everybody off. Like, that's Danny White's thing. I agree. He wants to throw people off. That's how Sonny Dyke's name got out there. He has the connection to him through SMU and his sister, whatever. But there were also reports that Sonny Dyke's was like, I don't want any part of that job. And, I mean, I can't blame him because it is career suicide for every coach that's been here since Lane Kiffin. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, nobody wanted Sonny Dykes. Can you imagine who would have been next on the list if they had to go past that? I mean, Billy Napier at Louisiana, who you would think has aspirations of coaching in the SEC, didn't even want to give Tennessee the time of day. I mean, that's that's a guy that you would think is not super exciting, but, hey, he's done pretty well at Louisiana. We'll take a shot on him. It's another – lower-level coach, I mean, kind of like what it, Tennessee ended up with anyway, but he didn't even want to give Tennessee the time of day. I mean, you're you're talking about maybe the the Will Healy level is where you'd end up with, somebody kind of maybe inexperienced. I mean, Jamie Chadwell, I guess, was always the ultimate fallback option because we know he would definitely take the job. But, you know, he, he if he's not from East Tennessee, I think a lot of people question him a lot more. I mean – it's kind of like I put out there on Twitter earlier today. If Josh Heupel would have played college football at Tennessee, everybody would be just – he would have been the guy from day one that everybody wanted. Uh, the same thing kind of goes for Jamie Chadwell. He grew up a Tennessee fan, but he's never coached anywhere close to a Power 5 conference. He's had one good year in a COVID year at Coastal Carolina. There's a lot of questions there. I mean, if Tennessee would have hired him uh, – People would have been excited because he grew up a Tennessee fan. It's a fun story, but that that would have been a huge gamble where Tennessee could have easily been a couple of three-win seasons under him. He has – Chadwell has more personality, I think, yes. and would have probably excited the fans more. And mm-hmm. I know there were a lot of fans that went, how do we not even reach out to Chadwell? I, 
I was more, how do you go after James Franklin and not reach out to like Hugh Freeze? That's mind blowing to me. Yes. But I don't even, I almost don't even want to go down that road. But um, yeah, I mean, with Chadwell, we'd be having the same exact discussion when the personality is stripped away. When you get past the personality, you go, okay, he's got offense. What's the deal with the defense? And where are we left in terms of his ability to actually build this program? I think we're having a very similar conversation if you if you have Chadwell. And that's saying, that's probably, to me, that's probably the best case scenario if White is not the AD. I think Chadwell's like the best case scenario. And and with Hypo, at least, there's lots of questions. But, I mean, he won a national championship at Oklahoma. That doesn't, that's not a prerequisite to be a, head coach by any means, but he's been in these pressure situations, you know, playing at Oklahoma, coaching at Oklahoma under Bob Stoops and those atmospheres. He has the SEC experience. He knows what the recruiting's like in the Big 12 and the SEC. And he's been a head coach at UCF, which has become kind of a nationally known program over the last few years since that great year under Scott Frost. I mean, he's kind of faced some pressure down there at UCF where fans kind of got spoiled by going 12 and 0 or whatever they 13 and 0. And, uh, you know, they weren't too happy with losing a few games there these last couple of years. So he's, he's dealt with some pressure. He's dealt with a lot of these situations that Chadwell just has no experience with. Yeah. I, and we'll just, we'll just have to see. I hope he has the kind of resolve to handle this job, but so few people do, man. So few people do. I have read that he's a very steady presence. He's never too high, too low, which I think Tennessee definitely needs because Jeremy Pruitt's, I mean, we saw on the sideline, his emotions were all over the place. And that's cool. fine if you're winning 11 games a year. If you're Kirby Smart at Georgia, nobody's getting mad when you're losing your mind on the sideline when you're in the SEC championship game. But three games, well, winning I, three games a year, it's not your I like the juxtaposition. This was again from from listening to Basilio to today. Um, I forget he had. I think he had on somebody from UCF, and that guy said that he. It really seems like Heupel is a player's coach, and specifically, he leads much more with love than he leads with fire. Kind of where Pruitt was just, I'll ring you out like Nick Saban, but I'm not Nick Saban, and I think. Maybe this team, that's more what they need, is is a guy who's going to lead with love and go, I'm going to correct you because I love you and I want you to get better. I'm not just going to ring you out, embarrass you in front of these other guys, embarrass myself, you know, and maybe that that's what they need. I, I, well, I, I said it on Twitter. Or, uh, well, it, around all of this, I mean, this team needs a culture change. Yes. In a huge way. And may, so maybe this is the culture change that they need. We'll certainly have to see in the next few weeks, but I, I think it could be positive. Yeah, I think we're seeing in college football in general that the niche saving approach does not work in everywhere anymore. These athletes, the way they're recruited, they're they're kind of stars and at the high school level now. I mean, you get to the point where five star guy in high school, he's a he's a celebrity already. Um you can't coach them the same as you used to. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it last week. You kind of go to Alabama because you want to be coached like that under Nick Saban. Not everybody yeah. – you don't go to some of these other programs to get coached like that. And you 
like it or not, I know a lot of people hate that, but that it, it is what it is. I mean, you have to adapt. That type of coaching come for for it to work, it comes with built-in respect. Yes. You go to Alabama and you respect the greatest coach that's ever lived in Nick Saban. It's an and honor to get shoot at. <laughs> exactly. Thank God I'm so blessed to be in the presence of Nick Saban and to go win a national championship here. Jeremy Pruitt ringing you out, you go, who is this bumpkin yelling at me? It requires an amount of built-in respect for you to come in and be broken down as a guy, you know, some of these players who have just had the ground that they walk on kissed from the time they're like 12 years old, you know? And so it, it takes a certain type of guy to make that work. And it takes a lot of winning (laughs) to make that work too. And so maybe that is the change that this team needs. They didn't have it with Butch. They didn't have it with uh, Pruitt. Dooley was not competent enough to do that, I don't think, or he he didn't want to do anything like that. I think Lane is in that that lane, so to speak. Um, and so maybe the, that's what Tennessee right. needs. Maybe we're just looking at it with rose-colored glasses, wanting this to work out. But it's, keep trying different stuff till it works. I mean, exactly, exactly. And that that's always what I go back to. And everybody says, we don't need to change coaches every three years. We don't need... Ah, change coaches till it works. You change coaches till it works. That's it. Fire the last guy. It didn't work. Change coaches till it works. Maybe Hypel makes it work. Maybe the next guy after Hypel... Maybe Hypel makes the, the situation better. And the next guy after Hypel makes it work. And well, on look, that note... I, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, Danny White does have a history of hiring uh, coaches. His hires work out typically. And I know this is a guy he's hired before and is a weird situation, but let's just hope that he continues the trend and you get, you got to trust that he's going to build a winner here and that this is how it's going to happen. And maybe it's not going to happen overnight, but he has a good track record so far. You you just got to let it play out and and see how it goes. You do. Um, And we'll just have to do that. And on that note of seeing how it goes, we threw out a question to Twitter uh, to to sort of wrap up this episode, and we asked for your responses to it. We asked, how long do you think that Josh Heupel will be Tennessee's football coach? We asked two years or less, three years, four years, five years, or more. What are the options? The breakdown's actually pretty interesting. I think I expected expected the majority to say three years because you know oh it's a lame hire it'll only be three years but actually the most popular answer at 35 percent five years or more uh and then followed by four years at 33 percent three years at 26 percent and two years at six percent two years is so little for a coach but happened at mississippi state so happened at Ole miss who knows but um this is interesting, and I'll read some of the responses because I think they're they're pretty good. I've been surfing through them here a little bit. Jake Eskew, good friend of mine, he said, I chose five years or more because we won a natty with Philip Fulmer. Let me say that again with Philip Fulmer. How, how you say? Well, because of David Cutcliffe. Josh is the first offensive-minded coach we have had on the Hill since Cut, Lane not included. I think this dude will do well here. 
that's an interesting point. It's sort of what we've been touching on this whole time. Uh, this is an offensive game now. It's this is no longer the age of six to three LSU versus Alabama game of the centuries. You got to score points, and maybe Hypel's the answer there. I like this tweet. This is totally uh, off topic, but it just came through and it tied both of us in there. That Oklahoma is sitting outside Neyland with a booth asking if anyone wants to transfer. <laughs> As they should. As they should, frankly. Um, I don't blame them at all. Although but, the players uh, that they're getting, I'm not sure they'll actually be able to play. But no. What is, uh, what's your prediction on how long Hypel is at Tennessee? I think... Oh, man, it, it's hard. To, we're so early on with Danny White. Uh, I think if we saw real aggression from Danny White in, in other areas where you just go, oh, this guy is not messing around, I might say three years. And it, it comes to kind of like I said with Butch, three or four years, you realize, okay, this guy's getting us seven, eight wins but he's not going to get us to 10 wins. And Danny White says, you're done. We're moving on to the next guy. If I saw that kind of truly saw that kind of aggression from Danny White, I would say three, four years. Um, That's my guess. And and I do, I do as of right now, I think we will see that from him. Um, I'll say four years. I'll say that's, that's the most likely to me. He makes it four years. And that fourth year is kind of like Butch's fourth year. And then that's, yeah, it's donezo. That's that's exactly what I was feeling is four years, and I see it playing out this way. I think I think it'll be very similar to the Butch Jones era. I think you'll see a slow build up. You'll see Tennessee getting back to eight or nine wins. And I think the I don't think it'll be the same mistake, but I think it'll be the same situation. I think Butch Jones, if Butch Jones would have retained John Jancic in twenty sixteen, that season plays out a lot different. I think Indeed. it's going to be it's it's so hard like what Clemson's done with Brent Venables to been been able to keep him there that that is so rare. It, you either have a defensive coordinator that does really well and they bolt for another job for a head coaching job or they don't get it done and you have to make a, a change. And that's what concerns me so much with with Hypo and really I mean that's true of any coach uh you just hope that the offense is enough to to kind of compensate for that. But just the fact that he does not have a track record at all of figuring out the defense. I mean, it, he's still the head coach. It still is his team. It's his decisions. I think that's what ultimately will cut his time short at Tennessee. Because it, it only ends one of two ways. He retires from Tennessee or he gets fired. You're not going to leave Tennessee yeah. for another job. I the exact progression that I could see if we're just breaking it down purely to numbers, the exact pro- progression I could see five five six wins next year. He gets more players in, uh, eight nine wins the next year, and then, uh, or or I'll say maybe so maybe five six wins the first year, then maybe seven eight the next year, eight nine in year three. So it's basically the same exact progression as Bush in there, and then year four. It goes back down to like seven wins after a quarterback leaves or something like that. And then that's that's it. Which that that fits the mold of of what I've said before, where I think that really works in Tennessee's advantage to kind of go, 
we're on better footing than we were four years ago. Thank you, Josh Heupel. We got to move on. Um, and I think it could be far less messy than it's been these last few hires. Um, but that's that could be the exact progression that I see. Hope, and let's say overall this, please, 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 please prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. Go win 10, 11 games. Go win the SEC East. Prove us wrong. Please. I beg of you. Please do that. Um, some of these Twitter responses. Xavier Jack, he's with us, it seems like, four years. I think he's going to be here to help us with sanctions plus a year as a prove it or out the door and to build the program how he wants. That's essentially what what we're saying. And it seems like the sanctions are going to take two-ish to three years to sort out probably. NCAA is backed up due to COVID, understaffed. They're backed up into previous cases. This NCAA basketball thing is like taking them over. Um, so who knows when they'll actually have the time to litigate that. And so, yeah, I think two, two, three years, it's probably wrapped up around that third or fourth year of, of Heupel, maybe. Um, who knows? I, I'm personally of the, the opinion. I don't think anything's really going to come of it because Tennessee has been so overly cooperative and they're going to completely clean house from top to bottom. I don't think the NCAA is really going to do much. Heifel kind of said that today. So did White. I, you know, um, but obviously we'll see. Um, Volunteer said, I think because of the NCAA stuff uh, and relationship with the AD, he'll get a longer leash than most. Okay, so this is a different take. I think he'll get his full contract, but I doubt, which is four years. I Right? Am I? No, four, four million a year. Six years? No, it goes quite a ways. I think it goes through 2027. And then if there's a, and there's also like a weird, and there's a weird little clause in there that I think if something to do with a bowl ban and if Tennessee loses more than eight scholarships, I think he gets an additional year on the contract. I think that's what I read. So it's kind of a weird thing where it's tied in with the sanctions. That's almost, I mean, eight. Eight scholarships is a lot, but um, that's almost fair, I would say. But he, the, yeah. he said, I think I'll get, get his it. full contract. I doubt he gets extended. Hope I'm wrong. Hope he's a winner and he's here for a long, long time. But I'm skeptical. Uh, Sean W. Probably will have a good offense, but it'll get shut down by good defenses. What good defenses in the SEC? Uh, the best team in the league has a not that great defense. But... You know, there are better defenses. Kentucky's was pretty good. Um, and yeah. I expect our defense to be awful. Exciting offense and bad defense will get old in a few years if we're not winning. Fair. Um, James Cantor, I voted five years. The first couple will be a pass due to sanctions and a limited roster. Again, I don't think the sanctions will come for it after the first two years, but nonetheless, uh, the last three years will have will have to show big improvement. Wasn't my first choice, but I'm optimistic he'll do a great job. And that's, you know, they, the AD, him having this previous relationship, they might use the sanctions as a reason to give him a longer leash uh, through all this. They're not going to look at seven and eight win seasons if they lose scholarships the same way that, you know, we would look at seven, eight win seasons pre-sanctions. So I think that'll probably factor in too. That's fair. Um, Ty Vols TN55 said... You have to give the head coach time. I would give him at least four years because of the massive damage the last coach uh, has done. Fair. With the sanctions coming, recruiting has to take an impact from that. 
I'd say three to build and the fourth to be at least in the top 25. I do wonder Tennessee, I think will will self-sanction sometime this off season. Probably yeah. I wonder what it'll be and how I mean, detrimental it'll be. I, again, I really don't, I really don't think Tennessee has to be that hard on themselves. Don't overthink I'm it. Sure I feel like they're a... going to come out and be like 10 scholarships a year, three years of bull band. Like they're going to, whip themselves when they don't need they to. They will definitely do a bowl ban, but it'll be like when LSU yeah. did a bowl ban this year when they were a three-win team at one point. They'll do that, I would say, a year and, uh, you know, self-reduction and scholarships. But hopefully, I mean, you, yeah, don't go too hard on yourself. You know, one or two. Don't, don't throw out there this, yeah. You've already gone hard enough. <laughs> And you've hired, look, you didn't hire Hugh Freeze. You didn't hire James Franklin, who, even though he hasn't had NCAA issues, certainly has had plenty of issues in the past. I think the hypo has some sort of connection to one of the NCAA committees. I think, I think Dan Harrelson might've put that out earlier. So hopefully the NCAA will see what Tennessee's done, that they've kind of, you know, they, they put this all out there. They didn't try to hide anything by any means throughout this whole investigation, hopefully they would, like you've kind of alluded to, take it easy here. I I certainly hope so. And looking at the NCAA's history, I don't think I'm going to be wrong. But you Why never do you know. want to hammer Tennessee? I mean... I know. Please self-imposing sanctions on themselves since Lane Kiffin left, in a way. <laughs> I mean, they've I mean, done and more and damage like- than the NCAA could. Tennessee hasn't been out here while we've been wrapped up in dumb NCAA stuff between Donnie Tyndall, Bruce Pearl, when Lane left and like the Bryce Brown stuff and all that garbage. Like we have had some of that, but it's not like we've gone out. We're not LSU out here swinging our coach out in your face who got caught on tape, you know, talking about paying players. Like we're not openly defiant. Um, so I surely they take it easy. Um, I mean, really, Ole Miss, Ole Miss's stuff was, I think, yeah, way worse and way more out there. I mean, it was pretty <laughs> I saw, public. I saw. I've I've been going on just this show, and Mississippi's been having me on like multiple weeks in a row for whatever reason. They've been wanting me to come on talk about this stuff, and so I've had some Mississippi fans like in my comments, some Ole Miss fans, and like one guy was saying. Uh, you know, I, I said, oh, Tennessee has been very compliant. And so I don't see them getting hammered that hard. And Ole Miss fan dropped in and was like, well, Ole Miss was compliant and we still got here. Ole Miss was compliant. You mean when they had that press conference with that stupid AD that's now at Texas A&M and Hugh Freeze and the other guy. And they basically said, like, come and get us like they, <laughs> you, they were compliant through all of that. Yeah, they were. When they tried to stick to Hugh Freeze all the way to the like bitter, bitter end, yeah, I I don't know, they're delusional. But um, see some some other people. Jordan Estrada, he said, sanction time frame and then add three years. So if my sanction time frame is right, like two three years, you're talking the minimum five six. Yeah, I mean that's the contract he gets, and it, uh, Jordan said he gets Mulligan based on those. Um, Brennan Whipple said the automatic extensions and buyout percentages will keep them here for four years. That's, that's fair. Um, that's, that's a little contract analysis there. I actually need to, we'll do that. I think we'll do more of that on Sunday. Need to really get into some of the minutia of this. I haven't really been able to have been 
been working and eating dinner and stuff today, but um, that trying to look a lot of people said three, four, Chris Johnson said seven and five, six and six, six and six and fired during year four. Sort of what we've been saying. Chad OWW said five years because it's hard to be as bad as Pruitt or Butch and Butch got five. Yeah, that's true. Although Butch, I think Tennessee wanted nine wins so badly that Butch's dumb nine wins like held them over. It shouldn't have. I've already said that on this very episode, but Tennessee was delusional at that point. I don't forgive them at all. They should have fired him, but thank you to everybody. The left comments. I mean, we're coming up dude. our last three episodes have all been like an hour 20. We're just uh, Tennessee coaching searches. It is what it is, but I think until Sunday, that's going to be it. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. Zach, any parting thoughts? Is anything you wanted to hit if we missed it? I'm pretty amused by Andy Staples has been in my mentions quite a bit today just because a year ago he said that whoever – it would take a superpower program to hire Josh Heupel away. So in Andy Staples' eyes, Tennessee is a superpower <laughs> per his words. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> That's a great find on your part. <laughs> So kudos on that. That's hilarious. Um, but I think that's it. Thanks to everybody who responded to, to our question and to every single person who listens. Uh, I'm going to go drink some more of this whiskey and try to forget about Tennessee football for a couple of hours because it's been consuming my life for the last week. And otherwise, uh, it's A to Z sports, Nashville.com at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach DNT at A to Z sports the a to z sports podcast network feed on itunes and spotify rate review subscribe blotty blotty blah and that's it charlie zach thank you for listening we'll talk to y'all in a few days see you guys later yeah,